Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I'm Shane Bacon, and if it sounds a little bit different, I'm actually not in my studio, which really isn't a studio, it's just my golf room. I am in Colorado at the Broadmoor, playing in the Broadmoor Invitational, but I can't leave you without a PGA Championship podcast. So, uh, fired up for this week. It's crazy it's already here. We just, it just seems like the British wrapped yesterday, which it kind of did. It's been 45 days. We're going to get all three of these majors in. So, we have to revamp and get excited. The PGA Championship back at Baltusrol. Phil Mickelson won last time. Phil's playing well. Obviously a big pick for a lot of people, but uh, enough of that. I'm going to get right into it. I had a lengthy, lengthy talk uh, with our guest, Kevin Van Valkenburg of ESPN.com, one of my friends, great golf writer, great sports writer. He was at the Baltimore Sun forever, been at ESPN.com for a while, writes a lot of NFL, but has focused on golf the last year or so, starting at the British Open a year ago. And just pumps out really interesting stuff. He was at the 12th with Jordan Spieth. He talks about that today. He talks at length about Rory McIlroy and just kind of uh, the career Rory's had, uh, the way he talks to the media, his personality. He wrote a big piece about Rory before the Masters that I thought was really great. So a really fun chat with him. Just a couple things. If you want to follow us on social media, jump it at the Clubhouse Pod, at Shane Bacon. You can use the hashtag ClubhouseSB. Also, the email, theclubhousewithshanebacon at gmail.com if you have any points. And good news for those that like SoundCloud over other you know options for podcasts. We are now on SoundCloud, so you can check that out as well. Uh, and that's about it. I mean, this is a, we had a long, I mean, we talked 45 minutes or so with KVV, so I wanted to get into it. Uh, we'll have a wrap podcast as well following the PGA Championship, and I'll have a couple pieces up on foxsports.com, so make sure you check those out. So here we go, KVV. And I am now so happy, honored, pumped to welcome to the Clubhouse Podcast for the first time a buddy and a man who has magic in his fingertips when he touches a keyboard, Kevin Van Valkenburg of ESPN.com. You can follow him on Twitter at K Von Valkenburg. That's V-A-N-V-A-L-K-E-N-B-U-R-G. I've been friends with you, I would say, for a while. That's the first time I've ever said your full name in my entire life. Uh, yeah, it's Dutch, and uh, frankly, I'm just a little bit excited about you talking about the magic in my fingertips. I'm hoping that will transfer over to my short game. Well, I've, I've seen the game, and I'd say it's better than maybe I thought it was going to be. Definitely pulled out some golf shots when we were hanging out at Champions Retreat um, in Augusta. But first things first, um, the summer has been pretty crazy, obviously, for these players. I mean, we're talking about three majors in 45 days and the PGA being pushed up because of the Olympics. I wanted to ask as somebody that travels and covers these events, What's it been like for you? What's it been like covering these things and having to come up with storyline after storyline, considering you have to mush all this stuff together and go to all these pressers and, and such? Uh, I'd say it's a little bit complicated, although for me, I'm sort of in a nice position where I get to kind of just ask what everyone else at ESPN is doing and then kind of say, well, you know what? I'd like to zig while everyone else zags. Like I'd like to sort of try to cover the one thing that we're not looking at uh, from a columnist perspective. I will say that like I started going to the majors last year and the first few you feel like, Oh my gosh, I have all this amazing, like definitive stuff to say about tiger, about Rory, about Phil. And then you get to be like seven, eight majors in a row and you're like, okay, uh, what can I say about Henrik Sensen that, <laughs> that will resonate on a level like not having tiger around. It doesn't quite, uh, pop quite as much so you have to really kind of dig deep um, I just love to go out with the players and sort of try to get a couple of like colorful details and scenes that you're not going to see on television that will sort of anchor a piece because otherwise like why have reporters there if you're if you're only going to offer stuff 
you know, that you can see on television, I don't really see the point. And so my goal at every sort of tournament is to basically like get one really good nugget for every story that no one else could get anywhere else. So I mean, that, and then it really, it's been a year since probably my favorite one, which was last year at the PGA where, you know, Spieth and, and Day are battling on the back nine. And I thought, you know what? I think 14T up here, it's really isolated from everyone else. Like none of the other media is going to make this 250 yard walk up the, up the hill. So if they happen to say something to one another, I'll be the only one there to hear it. And so I kind of hustled back up there as they were finishing out on 13 and they were walking up. I just happened to catch Jordan being like, Jason, like amazing four back there. Just amazing, or amazing birdie back there. And it was just like super complimentary and like super gushing towards him. And like, it really took day like a back, like he was like in the heat of this competition, the guy who he was trying to beat was like kind of saying like, man, you're, you're just too good today. And it, it really helped me kind of frame a column about, you know what? Like it's easy to be cynical and it's easy to be sort of snarky, but like speech is sort of fun in that he's a good sport. Like he wants, he doesn't really like want to hate his rivals. He doesn't want people to sort of like falter. Like he wants, them to play well and he wants to be complimentary of good shots which is kind of like how we play when we're out with our buddies right like if someone hits a good shot you're not like oh screw you man you're like man great ball so that that was just kind of a neat moment to sort of see unfold and that was obviously something we weren't going to get if you yeah when one. you see moments like that i mean if you're working on a piece say you're working on a jordan speed feature or a jordan speed column and you get this amazing nugget about jason day and his caddy or this amazing piece on on rory in the crowd i mean will you switch quickly and just say i've got to ditch what i was thinking and go with something else pretty much i mean i think you have to be sort of adaptable and you have to sort of always know like what's the best you know story whatever at the masters the last round of the masters this year i mean i went out that day like without really much of an assignment thinking oh you know i'll probably write about rory because i've written a big rory thing in the beginning of the week sort of what i would hope was like the definitive piece this year on him and he didn't really do much, and so I kind of wandered back. I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to watch Spieth, and then I'll probably catch Rory, you know, for his you know, talk with the media afterwards. And when, when Spieth melted down, like, Kyle Porter and I were probably two of the only media people who were right there, like, watching it actually happen. Like, a lot of people are back in the press box, which you have to do to kind of follow all the players. But Kyle and I were two of the only people there, and so I think we both kind of knew immediately this is not only the story of the Masters, but it might be like the story of golf this year, like what happened on 12. And so I, as soon as Jordan, I think, bogeyed 17, I sprinted back to the the press box and told my editor, like, I have got to write about speed. Like, I can't screw whatever I was telling you before. I've got to do this because I was there and i got to, like, do a scene-by-scene TikTok kind of piece. And so that's the kind of thing where you, if you see something good, if you know it, you got to pounce on it. Don't, like get stuck on an old idea and you dove deep before the masters you know you, you speak of what you wrote after i love the piece you wrote you basically broke it down minute by minute of what happened with jordan speed uh, not just on 12 but on 11 and, and has he who's kind of struggling coming into the par three but you dove deep into rory before the masters uh you mirrored his career with tiger and the commercial at nike it's a great piece if you haven't checked it out go to espn.com and just or just google it you'll you'll find it it'll come up right up but um, I love the piece. I thought it was so special. But one of the things I really pulled from it is you look at Rory as a guy that's not like Tiger at all. And you're not just talking about his golf game. You're talking about him as a personal figure. Uh, do you mind kind of expanding on what you saw and what you've learned as you followed Rory the last year, year and a half covering the sport? 
Yeah, so a while back, I think um, kind of as Rory, you know, sort of had that dominant 2014, and Nike put out that commercial that was kind of essentially like, I think it all, like as golfers, made us get a little bit like emotional and weepy. The idea of like Rory's watching Tiger when he's a kid, he's sort of inspired by that. You know, he's he's out hitting balls in the rain because he sees Tiger hitting balls in the rain. He sort of slowly reaches this point where he's standing on the same tee box as Tiger and it's like a metaphorical passing of the torch. And it's a really like, it's one of those situations where like commerce, like advertising, like is a little bit like art. And so it was brilliant framing by Nike. He's like, here's the, you know, Tiger's career is kindly, finally reaching the twilight. And here's the next person who's, you know, just dominated the major season, could dominate golf like Tiger did. And I wanted to kind of explore that idea because I knew that deep down that Rory's personality was nothing like Tiger and how much harder it is once you kind of reach the summit of fame to deal with all the stuff that, that goes on. Uh, and so I knew kind of by just observing him over the course of the year, some of that stuff would peak out. And what really kind of, I think, um, I learned was that Rory's still struggling in some ways with what he wants. Like, does he want to be Tiger? Sometimes he does. Sometimes he wants to kick as much ass in golf as he can. And other times, like, he wants a more balanced life. Like, he doesn't want to sort of burn out. and He doesn't want to, like, throw his whole life away at this because having a family and having, you know, friends and being having a realistic, normal life is more important to him than Tiger was when he was sort of, you know, at the height of his obsessions with stuff and you saw that like with the soccer stuff like he you know remains like adamant like you know i i'm not going to change who i am i maybe i shouldn't done that but i don't want to give up that part of what i love about my life because i think he thinks he'd kind of go crazy if he did and i think honestly that some of his relationship with caroline probably deteriorated because it was too much in the spotlight he couldn't deal with the fact that she was always like tweeting and instagramming about where they were and so he essentially ended up getting engaged to someone who's the polar opposite, someone who's super private, who never gives interviews, who never like has any social media presence. And all of that stuff, when you sort of step back and look at Rory over the course of the year, shows him to be a much richer and in some ways conflicted, which to me as a storyteller is, is great person. And I really like him. I really think that his, his candor, his honesty is refreshing in a lot of ways, but being that kind of person, it's harder in some ways than it was to just be sort of stone-faced and to give people the answers that they want. You know, we, we've talked a lot about this, about his Olympics answer, where people were sort of immediately ripping him, saying you regret it, whatever. That's Rory to a T. That's him essentially saying, I don't have to hold back on this because I just don't care. I'm not, I don't really want to please people. I, I've tried to do that, and it just ended up making me miserable in a lot of ways. So I'm just going to speak my mind from now on. And all of that, I think I tried to capture a little bit. You know, people talk about him now like he's some sort of disappointment. And I think that I feel conflicted in some ways because the only reason we feel that way is because he's so freaking talented. Because when you stand behind him and you watch his action towards the ball, it's unbelievable. Like it just is mesmerizing to watch the flight of his irons and the height that he gets and the way that the ball snaps through the turf. I mean, it's, it's really like nothing since Tiger in his prime, but to be that consistent is almost impossible. Like it's when we're living in the minute to minute, like if we're Rory won this major, if he won the PGA, everybody would be like, see, I told you Rory's amazing. Like all this criticism of him, 
was sort of misguided or whatever. But it, like in the minute to minute, like day to day, we got to have something to say every single day about athletes. It's kind of a miserable grind for someone. And so only historically can you kind of step back and say like, oh, he won 12 majors and was the third greatest player of all time. Like, how could anyone ever be disappointed in that? But on the march towards it, it's a much harder thing to like, understand. Yeah. Do, do you see a professional athlete? I mean, you've covered sports, I mean, for the Sun and, and ESPN for a long, long time. Do you see an athlete that you feel makes an, an honest comparison to Rory? I mean, is it Jeter or Brady or Arnold Palmer or Nadal? I mean, is there somebody that, that you think makes the most sense? Because Tiger's not it, and I agree with you 100%. So is there a player out there, an athlete, past or present, that you think, think makes sense when you think about uh, when you think about Rory? I don't know. I mean, in some ways, like Peyton Manning seems like a more realistic uh, personality comparison because here's someone who's like ridiculously talented and had some early success, but also still got criticized a lot for not being quite as great as, you know, maybe we thought that he should have been. And Peyton Manning keep, keeps, keeps, keeps his family out of the spotlight, doesn't bring people hey. around, doesn't know much about his personal life. I mean, the, the comparisons are there. Yeah, and, and I think Manning would show you like aspects of his personality. Like, he couldn't resist like saying stuff like "idiot kicker" got liquored up and ran his mouth <laughs> off, or you know, kind of fun aspects of, of who he was, and and still was like incredibly incredibly good at his job. So I mean, it's uh, that's just kind of pulling that out of my head. But that like Rory's human. Like he he wears it on his sleeve sometimes, and it, it's. That's hard because it makes you more vulnerable to criticism, but I think it's also a more honest way to kind of go about your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I asked Rory for, for a, a quote about something, and he didn't get back to me in time, and he apologized to me after. I mean, there's not many top four players in the world that their respective sport that's going to apologize to a media member about not getting back to him about a quote. Most of them wouldn't even know who's, who's asking. Yeah, I mean, there are athletes who reach a certain level of privilege and like everyone beneath them just seems like not worthy of their time. And then there's athletes who still have enough self-awareness to kind of understand like, oh man, like this person was kind of relying on me to, you know, help their broadcaster, help their do them do their job. And I think he, I think he has an enormous amount of self-awareness. Like he's, you'll see kind of like with his dry sarcasm in, in press conferences, how funny he is sometimes. And so, you know, I think, I think that he's he's really refreshing. I don't think I think we're taking for granted like wh- how nice it is to have like one of the best player golf golfers in the world be able to sort of like walk into these pressers and tell funny stories or open himself up and reveal aspects of his personality and and tell give you pretty honest answers. Uh, you know, when for such a long time, you know, Tiger would just give you kind of really dry, like really vague. Uh, really not interesting stuff. It's it's actually a good time to cover golf because a lot of the people. Jason Day is really candid. Phil is obviously such such a fun kind of person to you know verbally joust with in press conferences and stuff. And Rory's just fun. Anytime it doesn't matter if I'm writing about it or not. When he gives a presser, I kind of want to go in there and sit and listen and just hear what he kind of thinks about the state of golf and the state of his own game. It, go, it goes against the, the media members that used to go tee off when Tiger would, <laughs> would come in the press conferences. The older journalists knew that was the time to go play 18 holes because you knew he wasn't going to say anything interesting. True. true. Uh, I, I, all right, so I want to go back to Rory. I want to get back to some of the other storylines that you've kind of hit on over the last year. But I do want to talk PGA uh, right now since it is this week. I can't believe it's this week. It's crazy to me. But 
First question for you is, is it okay if I still call it Glory's Last Shot and not It's Major? Is that okay with you? Uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. It's, I, it's bizarre to me that we have to think of a new slogan or logo every year. Why can't the PGA Championship sell itself? I mean, when they move it to Asia, do you think it'll be like, it's still PGA baby or something like that? Like, I mean, you know, Glory's last shot was so good and they changed it to it's major, which I, I whatever, there was obviously reason behind it, but I, I always laugh when I see anybody that writes it's major. Uh, I, I was going to ask you, you know, you, you, the PGA Championship always seems like the other major in a way. And I mean, that's no knock to the PGA. It just, the Masters has, you know, the history and the tradition behind it. The U.S. Open is tough and stern test. And if you win it, you know, you, you've battled yourself for 72 holes just as much as you have everybody else. The British is the British. It's the oldest and the best uh, in, in terms of, of a worldwide uh, viewing audience. But the PGA is a bit different. And you're in, a bit different. In your opinion, when you look at the way golfers can win these types of majors, What's important to do at a PGA championship that's a little bit different than maybe the other major championships as we've seen historically? Mm. Um, I think you have to make birdies. I mean, I think you have to be able to, you know, obviously you have to do that at the Masters, but, you know, what what was it that won the Masters this year? Four under, um, you know, one of the lower scores in a long time. Like, the PGA championship is always going to be like 12, 13, 15 under par, right? I mean, that's, that's just kind of how it's set up. It's set up so that like the courses are difficult, but you got to go, you got to be able to throw a, a score up there. You know, you can't, there's no like shooting 71, shooting 70, 69, 71, like, you know, which you would think was like, oh, that's a, no, no one would be surprised if that was a winning U.S. Open score or winning British Open score. So, you know, it has to be someone who can, can roll the ball into the hole, uh, which I think, you know, it's true in every instance, but I think, as you know, like there's a certain mentality to being five under and not like freaking out, like not losing your head and thinking, Oh my God, like I'm five under today. Like uh, that, that takes a different kind of golfer than someone who's just grinding, hitting to the middle of green, you know, two putting and being like, all right, I'm green and ground on the field because I made a sort of a solid par here. I, I like that, that they're a little bit different in every aspect that all the majors, it's a little bit like tennis in that sense. Um, maybe not quite as extreme, um, but that to me sort of is what the PGA is like. It's like it's, it's Bob May going 66, 66, 66 to get in a playoff. Right. Player. Yeah. I mean, Jason day one at 20 under last year, Rory was 16 the year before Duffner was 10. Rory was 13. Uh, really, the I think four of the last five have been, or five of the last six have been double-digit under par. You said you like that. I do think it adds a different dynamic to the major because, like you said, you go out knowing that on a calm day in good conditions on these golf courses, if you shoot even par, you're going to be looking way up a leaderboard. And most of the time at big names. And also, maybe the most underrated thing about the PGA is it's always the most exciting major every year. I mean, we always get drama at it. Yes. I mean, that's, I think Kyle Porter pointed that out last year is like, it's in a lot of ways, like it's his favorite major because it seems like the best players kind of all rise to the top of the leaderboard. And though, while you get the occasional, like Sean McKeel kind of winner, like, we don't talk about that oh, one, by the oh, way. So let's, let's edit that one out. We're not talking about Sean McKeel anymore. Uh, but there's still like a lot of really great leaderboards. It's, it's often like some of the best sort of having a showdown, you know? So that, I mean, that's, I think that's, there's sort of value to that. I mean, what, what guy, I guess Keegan probably and, and Y.E. Yang the last 10 years has won a PGA who's not like a hall of famer. 
I mean, those are probably the only two because it's like it's Phil, Tiger, Tiger, Padraig, Rory, you know, I guess Duffner, but that's kind of still up in the air. Rory, Jason Day, like that's a lot of really big time names. In the yeah, I mean VJ. I mean you, you you've mentioned. It. I mean Tiger won it a lot, and I think that's a, a test of you know a, a great major is when the best player wins it a lot. I mean if you you mentioned tennis, you know you look at Federer at Wimbledon, you look at it all at the French. I mean you know the, the, it fits those kind of guys' games, and they were the best on those types of surfaces. And for whatever reason, you know Tiger could go out there and go low on these types of golf courses. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, my big I bring this up every time like. One of my biggest beefs is that Larry Nelson won the PGA twice and won a U.S. Open and never got to be Ryder Cup captain, which is absurd. Like David Toms will someday be a Ryder you're gonna, Cup. You're gonna, are you just doing that every time you can say it? Anytime every you can throw it in. It's so unfair. The guy, like he, he was a Vietnam vet, and we're talking about like patriotism and like why you know who should be our sort of. How did Hal Sutton get to be the Ryder Cup captain over? <laughs> One and done. You put Tiger and Phil together on the same team, and you are out as a Ryder Cup captain. What's the biggest storyline that could come out of this week at Baltus Raw? What's the biggest winning storyline? The biggest winning storyline. Um, that's a good question. I, you know, don't you think Rory winning would be bigger than like DJ winning two majors in a year? Even like if it was Rory, was like, okay, finally, I'm answering back uh, to some of the some of the criticisms I've had recently, I think it will, that that would probably be it. Like if Rory again, like blew away the field and like won another major. Is that better than Phil? I, I just, I want, I battle between Rory and Phil really about this because Phil played so well at the British and you know, it's been so long since he even won a regular PJ tour event, much less a major. I just wonder if, if Phil would edge Rory a bit uh, since there'd be so much interest if he got back into the hunt and, and got into another PGA at Baltusrol. Probably. Um, I guess I, I guess I'd pick Phil. I guess you know when you look at it that way. I don't know. I mean, it, going forward, would it be like it would be neat for Rory like to sort of be like, okay, I'm back. I'm finally like screw all you people who sort of acted like <laughs> last year for me. Like I'm and and all your Olympic comments, you can stick it because look at me, I just won a PGA. But if Phil got a sixth major, like then you know as we were talking last week, would he be in the conversation for top ten players of all time? I don't know if a PGA does it quite as much as like winning a Troon would have, um, but it certainly like would further his case as like, look, I'm I'm in that conversation. You got to bump Trevino or you got to bump you know somebody else, Nick Faldo from the bottom of the list because I'm now a top ten player. I went through this and did this for a mailbag last week on FoxSports.com, and let me tell you, it seems so easy to throw Phil in that top ten conversation or top ten list, but you mentioned it. You throw some of these guys in their Sevy and and Trevino and, and Faldo, and you look at their careers, and you look at some of their careers on the European tour, you forget you know, a lot of these players spent a lot of time over there. They won a lot, and they won big events a lot. I mean, it's really hard. And, I mean, of course, Phil won a ton. I mean, Phil's been a, a competitor and a contender since the early 90s, which is probably the most impressive thing of his entire career. But, I mean, when you get in that top 15, top 10 list, it takes a lot, and it's not just the majors, in my opinion. I think it's really just the, the, the whole like look of your work. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of this the other day, like, if what would Phil's career have been like if Tiger had just played, you know, football or something instead? Like, if Earl had decided, <laughs> you know what, I want my son to be a basketball player, if he had never taken up golf, would Phil have 10 majors now, 11 majors? I don't, you know, it doesn't quite work like that, but there's a decent chance that, like, Phil would have been the dominant, like, golfer of this era, that we'd be talking about him as, like, the equal of Tom Watson, right? Yeah, you know, I think differently than that. I think, like, 
99 with with Payne Stewart like if Phil wins that one you know because it took him so long to get that first major and then he's been very consistent since then and, and Tiger never really you know held him out I mean he finished second to Tiger a couple times but it was never a battle back and forth you know most of the time when he finished second to Tiger it was Tiger blowing the field away and Phil would you know finish three shots back or four shots back and I feel like maybe if, if Phil would have got that early major it would have been sure. a little bit easier for him to get going but I agree with you I mean Without Tiger, Ernie Els and Phil Mickelson are the two golfers of this generation. Ernie's more of the story there, in my opinion. Ernie finished second to Tiger a lot, not just in majors, but it seemed like Ernie was always getting snake bitten by Tiger. True. I do think that Tiger unnerved Phil a little bit for a while. Like It took him a while to sort of be like, all right, I'm going to play really well when I'm in the hunt with him or paired with him. Like He was... He was some. Remember the at the um, at the 2002 Open at Bethpage. No one really ever talks about this, but I was sort of went back and watched it before the U.S. Open. He, you know, he was playing in the group ahead of Tiger on the final day, and instead of like just kind of worrying about his own game, like hey, how can I make four or five birdies here, or whatever, he was like obsessed with like where Tiger is on every single hole behind him. He would sort of ask, you know, Roger Mulpey or something like, oh, did he hit it in the fairway last thing? Like I remember them talking about it on the broadcast. And he he was like wondering like hey did Tiger make a par like hey and he would think like dude just play your own game like it's not you can't like affect how he's gonna shoot so you know and Tiger only made like two birdies that day he just basically like un- stripped it unbelievably good and and made easy pars so Phil had just gone out and like unconsciously shot like 67 that best page you know open would have been much more interesting but he I think was really just obsessed with the idea for a long time of like okay, like, what's he doing? Am I going to be paired with him? What did he shoot today? And as he sort of got older, I think it was more like, you know what? I'm Phil at the Mickelson. Right. I'm going to go out shoot 66, and whatever happens to the rest of the field, that's, that's what happened. That's, I think that's what the sort of comfort and ease that he won those Masters with. Yeah, know, I'm Phil Mickelson. I had this nickname for a reason, for goodness sakes. I don't need to be worried about anybody else. I, uh, I've had a pretty amazing career. Well, okay, I want you to rank these names in three categories – of how big of a win this would be at the PJ Championship this week uh, per player. And I want you to rank. The The first one will be, eh, it'll be fine. Second will be, hey, I can always use another major. And third will be, if I win this, I won't have to answer any more dumb questions for eight straight months, okay? Okay, so it's, eh, uh, oh, I like another major, and uh, hey, I, I screw everyone. I want yeah, to exactly. Them. Okay, number one, Jordan Spieth. Uh... I'm actually going to go with the third category here of like, hey, I don't have to answer any more dumb questions. I mean, seeing his um, comments at the British Open about how I'm kind of annoyed that people are questioning my game, like it's really frustrating to me, that I thought was really interesting. That was sort of like a window into how what something Roy said last year was like, you're going to watch, it's going to be more difficult for Jordan because the pressures that people put on you and the pressures you put on yourself are much bigger and he's really struggling, I think, with the first time in his life that people are kind of critical of his game. Like, and it's it's all entirely because he set the bar so high previously. And so I, I do think it would for him would be like, a, especially after the Olympic stuff, would be like a big screw you to everyone. Uh, so I'm going to go with the third category. I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Rory McIlroy. Mm. I think that he would treat it like the second. That he would say, eh, good, another major. This is where I'm supposed to be. Uh, there would be a little bit of, see, I told you so. Um, but I think that he would just sort of be like, 
getting back to equilibrium for him. Like a major every, you know, couple of years is, is a sort of realistic uh, thing for him. It's just so businesslike for him, right? I mean, you even wrote it in your piece about how he said he doesn't, he's not in love with the game anymore. He loves, you know, competing and I think he loves being out there, but it, it's not a passion of his uh, anymore as it used to be, you know, when he was a kid and all that stuff. And I feel like that answer is probably true with Rory because he'd say, okay, that's another one closer to Nick. I'm closer to Tiger. I'm closer to those guys. And as you said, I'm on pace to be the best European player ever now. One of the most interesting things, this is a, an ESPN thing he did with Tom Rinaldi, and they were sort of talking about, you know, what is, it was, it was a piece about Rory's honesty. And Rinaldi asked him, I think, um, you know, what is, what is the biggest, like, uh, potential pitfall for you? And Rory, and this is part of the reason why I think we love him, said it's motivation. Like, I've already have a Hall of Fame career right now. You know, I want to win more golf tournaments. I want to, you know, be one of the greats. Um, but I've already, if I'd retire tomorrow, I've already, you know, won four majors and two Ryder Cups or three Ryder Cups. So, like, he, that's the kind of thing when I'm talking about self-awareness that he gets. Like, he can see the big picture of, like, dude, seriously, like, I've already kind of like had this game at my fingertips. Like I've already had a better career than all the sort of Northern Irishmen that I grew up kind of watching. So like some ways, how, what, what do you expect from me? But I do think you're right on the flip that being the most, the, the best European player of all time, I do think that that's something that he would really like sort of enjoy, which is like similar to how you saw Sergio like break down in tears after someone said, Oh, you have you know the most wins of uh, the same amount of PGA wins as Seve did. That kind of like really mattered to him. He was like, wow, like that's the person that I most cared about when I was sort of growing up. And to have done that, that means almost as much to me as winning a major. With, with Rory, and we'll go back to my fun game that I know you love so much right, in a little bit. But you know, with Rory, and you and I talked offline about this a little bit. But why is why are people so critical of him? Why are people so critical of his body and working out and the way he goes about things and people think he doesn't practice or work on his game. And, you know, Johnny Miller saying what he said, you know, during the British open coverage, I, why is there an obsession with maybe he's just not playing great golf or maybe he's playing great golf and he's just not winning. We have to pick apart what's going on instead of just looking at it and saying, people go through this. Sometimes you can go a year. I mean, he's finished in the top six, nine out of 15 starts in 2016. It, worldwide nine out of 15 that's that's incredible yet we sit here and go always oh, having a bad season i think it's it's really like uh, we've talked about this before tiger set such an unrealistic standard for how like the best player in the world most talented player in the world like what he should do like even i don't even think like you know it, it's hard for me to say because i wasn't really alive for most of his career but like the what jack did in the 70s that's probably comparable to what tiger did like in the 2000s but the, the level of like of how great that was, like winning five, six tournaments a year, being in contention in at least two majors, three majors every year, that's not realistic. Like that's not a standard that everyone should sort of achieve. And because Rory's A game looks as sort of aesthetically like perfect as Tiger's did at his height, that's what makes us think like, come on, man, like why aren't we getting a little more out of this? Like I remember what it was like, and Tiger always kind of managed to scrape these pars around and. And that's where, like, you know, Rory can hit it as beautifully as Tiger can, but he can't turn what looks like a sure five into a four the way Tiger almost always could. And there's the difference in a lot of ways. That Rory, on his worst day, shoots 74 instead of shooting 69. 
and that's why he doesn't contend as many majors. But really, like no one has ever done that like Tiger did, and so that that Tiger's ghost still haunts us in a lot of ways with what we expect from things, and, and it's true of Jordan too. Jordan's experiencing that too. It's like, okay, you won two majors, you're you know your third year on tour, and you should have won a third. Why are why didn't you close that out? Tiger never collapsed in front of everyone and like, you know, completely imploded. Like, why aren't you sort of a stone cold killer like Tiger was? And all of that, like the whole next generation of golf has to deal with that in ways that you know, it's, it's funny. We always talked about like how the generation that was competing with Tiger was unnerved by him. Maybe it's the generation that came after him that sort of like he caused the most sort of like pressures on because they have to deal with like the expectations of, what they're supposed to be. And Rory has, I always, you know, and not to go back to Rory over and over again, but, you know, one of the things that I've always been so impressed with Rory is, is that, you know, he's bounced back in many ways better than most golfers ever have. I mean, after the Masters collapse, he wins the U.S. Open. You know, he wins two majors in a row and the Bridgestone in 2014 when he wasn't having a great season going in. You know, he's played well, but it wasn't the, the Rory historic type season. And I think this week, a win at a win at this PGA would fit into his resume, his career resume, because he has been a little down and out, if you will, in the majors. Again, this is a guy that's finished in the top five and four of his last five starts, including a win at the Irish Open. So not that bad of a season thus far. But you know, he missed the cut at the U.S. Open. He's had some 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 kind of backdoory top fives and top tens. But I almost feel like a win this week would fit into the way Rory has gone about majors in his career because it seems like the moment you count him out, he's been able to come through and win. I agree. I mean, I think you're 100% right. And he's sort of like lurking a little bit of like, okay, you know, if I can just kind of hit my wedges a little bit better, like all of a sudden you're going to be reminded of how freaking good I am. I mean, what I think is interesting, just kind of touch back on your point of like, why do we criticize him? What bugs me more is that like, why do people sort of just make stuff up about, you know, not in like a make stuff up like sort of nefarious kind of way, but like the whole deal where we're talking about, um, you know, the day the golf channel has a thing on where it's talking about, well, stop taking so many shirtless pics on Instagram or whatever. Like that's not actually true. Like that didn't actually happen. Like there's no shirtless pics on Rory's Instagram for anyone to see, you know, there's no, like this idea that he doesn't care enough is completely false. Like he might care too much in those instances uh, you know, during games, you know, dur- during the rounds where he's like desperately chasing, trying to make a birdie after making, you know, a double. And I, don't, I just don't, I think that when people just kind of like make stuff up about like, well, clearly he doesn't want it as much as that's completely untrue. Like have a conversation with Rory and you will absolutely understand like how much it burns him up you know, when he's not playing well. what If he didn't care, do you think he would smash his three-wood or throw a four-iron into the lake at Doral? Like, he cares desperately. And so, I, I'm, you know, all the weightlifting stuff isn't really, I don't think he's trying to be any kind of fitness model. He's trying to, like, sort of make his body peak athletically. It's just so different than what anyone else has done before. And frankly, Tiger didn't ruin his game by lifting weights. He ruined it by, like, beating hell out of his knees. Right. And, like, <laughs> putting so much torque into the ball and swinging 128 miles an hour, you know, when 120 would have sufficed. Yeah, it, so it I, wasn't, it's not when he was doing curls. I mean, it's not like he was in the gym and he's, he, he lifted up a 50-pound barbell and that was the end of his career. I mean, it's because of all the other stuff he did, and I feel like Rory's more intelligent than that. I mean, when I hear that Rory is, like, training to, you know, 
work with like MI6, like the equivalent of what the Navy SEALs is or whatever, like the the Royal, like United States King, United Kingdom, like espionage spy pokes and like ruins his knee that way like tiger did then i'll worry about it then, then, then we'll then we'll raise the flag and, and look at when he won at valhalla i mean if you watch him those last 10 holes i mean he was as focused as anyone has been in a major since tiger i mean he was so locked in during that run i mean he had to chase down you know ricky and phil i mean he was so locked in i mean shane ryan even wrote in his book about how he wouldn't even talk to him when they were on the tee next to him i mean he was in a zone he wanted to win that so I just the rumors about Rory are a little exaggerated, and I, I would like it. I, I personally, I would be a big fan of him winning this week, just because I think it would quiet the critics a little bit, and that would be really nice, especially considering we have eight months to go until the next major. Absolutely. Okay, I, so ne- next next name, Jason Day. Uh, I would say the day would probably be the. Eh, eh, that's nice. Like, yeah, yeah, that'll be fine if I win one or not. And Dustin Johnson, same. Or me, like he's. Say again. Dustin Johnson. See, see, okay, your point on Day I disagree with just because of this. Jason Day came into this season the hot thing. I mean, he wins the PGA. He plays out of his mind. You even talked about it a little bit with speed. He's played really well this year. He's won some big events. And I feel like him not having a major in 2016 would be a big blank spot on his resume considering he finally got the major last year and he's played so well heading into really this three-major stretch that we saw starting at the U.S. Open. Do you think Day, and I'll follow the, up with a thing, I, I do agree now that you sort of put it that way, do you think Day talks himself into mentally some of these kind of ailments that he kind of goes through of like, you know, at the farmer, is he sick because his kids are sick? Or, you know, he, at the players, he sort of tweaks his back just a little bit, but it's nothing serious or, you know, like it, it seems like, it's not, I want to say that he's making excuses because I don't think that's true, but I think that maybe Jason's personality, and, and this is true if you like read some of the sort of pieces about him, like the one that Karen Krauss did where she went to uh, Australia and talked to his family, like, he's a little bit of an exaggerator just as a kid in general. Like, that's kind of what part of his personality was. And so like, we always tend to hear about it when he feels a little bit of a twinge in his wrist or his back or whatever, Whereas, like, Tiger had a broken knee and played an entire U.S. Open and wouldn't even talk about what was bothering him the whole time. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe it's a, it's a personality trait. I mean, I, I think that sometimes when he does preface golf tournaments with, I did this or I did that, I do think it gets a little um, old and tired, uh, just as, as people that follow the sport so closely. But maybe this is something that, I mean, it works for him. You know, I mean, it has worked for him over the over the past. I mean, even him talking about how nervous he was at the Players' Championship and the most nervous I've been in my life. Most players that say that shoot 85, you know, and I mean, he didn't. So, I don't know, maybe just being open is, is, is his way about going about it with the media. But, I mean, I, I do wish maybe he would keep it a little quieter because I wonder, I mean, if this stuff is so bad, why are you spending, I mean, you talk about Rory in the gym. I mean, Jason Day looks incredibly fit this year i mean he looks way thinner and 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 spelter and everything and i just wonder if if maybe he didn't say that stuff if it would if he would hold it in i don't know if it's a personality thing but it does seem a bit strange every single event we see day say something i feel like conflicted because as a journalist i always want guys to sort of like tell me how they're really feeling like i would never be like oh suppress your thoughts and don't share them (laughs) my job sort of like get some insight into who you are but i do think that it's true that other players sometimes get a little bit like not so much like a mad about it but like roll their eyes a little bit like you know everyone out here is sort of you know how many kids how many guys out there have kids and how many kids come home from daycare or from school 
with some kind of, you know, sickness or whatever that you then transfer to you. Like I know that full well, like that's my four-year-old has given me all kinds of like head colds, whatever. But you know what? Every other writer at ESPN who has kids has deals with the same thing with that. So I guess I feel a little bit conflicted about it. What with the gym thing to me, it just so much of that criticism strikes me as the previous generation of players who is now essentially like the ones working in media, whether it's the golf channel or working, you know, with you guys or whatever at Fox or at NBC, whatever, they didn't lift weights then. And so that seems foreign to them. Like, why would you do that? You know, why wouldn't you spend your time, you know, working on, you know, your short game your swing or whatever. And so I just feel like the unfamiliarity with that makes a lot of people sort of say like, well, this, this can't be right. This is the, this would seem like the way to kind of ruin your touch or whatever when I don't know that the actual evidence supports that. Right. And and also, again, I've said this a lot, and I'll continue to say it. These guys are in their mid-20s. They play golf for a living. What else do they have to do? I mean, <laughs> if you go hit balls for three hours a day, you have 21 other hours to fill, you know? I mean, you might you better go to the gym. I always say, I look at the players that aren't in great shape and go, what do you do? You go to the movies twice a day? I mean, it's amazing that they don't all look like Rory. I'm just amazed, like, some of the big guys, you know, because I'm, I'm no, like, skinny guy, but I'm amazed at, like, some of the guys like Brandon Jung and, and uh, you know, the, um, some of the other big dudes, like, how flexible they are. Like, I can't, you know, I, I can't, like, do an amazing, like, full turn where I get the club, you know, my, my left shoulder behind my right, you know, behind my head. Like, I just, it, those guys who look like they're out of shape are in so much better shape than the majority of people who look like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll ask you two more of these guys and we'll get out of here. Dustin Johnson, where does he fit in our category of if he wins this PGA? Uh, Well, you know where he would look at it. He would just be like, oh, cool. Yeah. He'd be the first. He'd be like, yeah, it's fine. Either way, either way, he'd be completely fine. He won his major this year. I feel like DJ is cruising now. Whatever happens, happens. And that being said, he, he probably has as good a shot to win this as anybody considering the way he's been playing. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, He's on the sort. He needs one more major to sort of be like a historically great player. And that's probably like I, I think I think maybe three majors, four majors for a career. That's like probably the ceiling for DJ. I just you know a lot of things have to break your way, and I'm I'm not sure he's going to be like super dedicated and do it in his 40s and and early 50s or whatever to win more majors. So I feel like one more would be kind of surprising, but also would be like yeah, that's about what we expect. Exactly, Ricky Fowler. Where does he fit? I, you know, with the way that his year's gone, where it just has been like such a non-factor, I think it would be a, I think it would be the last, the latter category of like, wow, like I don't know that it would be like you don't have to answer any more questions. It would just be like, well, where does this come from? Like this right. is what we sort of expected from you for a long time. Yeah, two years ago or even last year, we expected it. This year, not so much, which I think helps guys like Ricky, who you know are nice and have that type of personality. I think not coming in with a ton of expectations. Uh, especially with these majors, kind of helps him fly under the radar, which is something he hasn't done much of his career. I mean, this is a guy that is talked about. Look at what I look at the names I put on this list, and Ricky Fowler's on there. There's plenty of guys that have won big events and won plenty of times this year that you could throw on this list. It's amazing to me. Like, I wonder if that thing in Phoenix goes differently, if like his season goes differently. I mean, you know, so much of golf is about confidence and just sort of feeling super comfortable over the ball. And all of a sudden, he kind of throws away like a, an important tournament, but just a regular sort of tournament. And I don't know, like all these doubts sort of seem to be like creeping into him a little bit. And if if that went differently, does does his whole year go play out differently? I don't know. 
Uh, I mean, I still don't think he threw it away. You know my thoughts on that. I think he hit a really good job, really good drive on 17 and got a really bad kick. And I will stand by that. I've played that hole a few times. That is the one place the ball can't land. I mean, he hit it 340 or something. I mean, it's a pretty sure. good shot. Throwing away is relative. Like, obviously, he didn't throw it away. Like he, but, you know, from our perspective. But, I mean, I think he was upset. I mean, he was, like, in tears afterwards. Right. So he clearly felt like he didn't think. He didn't look at it like, oh, I just got, like, right. really bad. I mean, he, he he thought that was his to win, and, and then, of course, you know, he loses to Matsuyama. All right, fast. The, the last one of this category and my favorite one on the list is Mr. Phil Mickelson. Uh, I think it would be – I think it would just be, like, a pretty cool historic moment for golf. I, I don't know if there's, like, a right category for this, but it would, like – imagine how much he would enjoy, you know, three years later – standing up there holding the wand maker and being like, you know what? I told you guys, I told you guys I was close or whatever. <laughs> and, and, you know, funny tiger's not even around anymore, but I'm still grinding away and stuff. Uh, I, I think it would be, you know, I don't know that it, there's any, I, there's probably only like two or three more majors in Phil's career where like he has, I think a legit chance to win. Like everything kind of goes right. That's why I'm sure that like, the British was hard because he played so well and he still like even in the last day just didn't have a legit chance. Like I think he'll be in contention in a masters uh, at some point, you know, in his late forties, early fifties, have a chance to win it and then maybe one more. So like he knows that his chances are sort of running out. Like he's, he could max out at with seven majors, I think. And that's, that would be like an amazing sort of career. He'd be super satisfied with that. But you're probably only going to get two more chances just because of luck and circumstance and who happens to play really well. Like yeah, yeah, and the fact that talent pool continues to to grow deeper and deeper. I mean, I mean, now there's what probably. I mean, you look at John Rahm and stuff like that. I mean, these young guys that are turning pro are contending and competing, you know, week in and week out now, and they're 21, 22 years old, and now you got 46 year old Phil trying to beat these guys. That's why I think you know, not everything should come back to Tiger, I suppose. But I think we've talked about this a bunch of times. I just don't. I don't see it for happening for Tiger ever again because I don't think that his back will ever feel good four days in a row uh, plus practicing leading up to the week plus like all of the talent that's sort of around him. Someone won't have like an insane week. Like you know, Tiger could could be in contention in a major whatever, but I'm just not sure. I believe that it's that there's going to be a special week left for him because of that back because of the it's four days in a row he has to it has to feel really good and i'm not sure that that's medically possible anymore yeah i mean it, he's got to beat a list of 10 guys that are really 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 good and then a list of 60 guys that are really 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 good and then behind those guys any of those guys could win any week i mean that that's what i keep saying i mean that's why i think you're going to see a max out number of Maybe Rory wins eight majors, you know, maybe he wins seven or nine, maybe if he's lucky, but the talent pool just grows. I mean, look at this year. I mean, you've got all first time major winners. I mean, it's, it's just, it's continuing to be tougher and tougher to, to be consistent in the majors. You've got to get red hot for four days that happen to be four weeks out of the year. And you've got to hope nobody else does because look at Phil, Phil was red hot for four days at Royal Troon and he ran into a guy that didn't miss a golf shot for, for basically the last 36 holes. I think too of like if Rory won eight majors, that you know that puts him behind Nicholas Tiger, Hagen, Jones, and Player, right? Because Player has nine. Uh, 
that, so he's like that would make him the sixth best player of all time. Will you like, give me? A, can you? Will you? When you? I would like you to speak in Gary Player voice when you make this point, if you don't mind. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. This is your Rory point in Gary Player voice, and then we'll get you out of here. Look here, this, this young man, Rory McIlroy. He's he's. What if he won eight majors? and was suddenly considered a disappointment, that would be one of the great tragedies of all time in media golf history. It was unbelievable how many fellows in their whole life win eight majors, like six or seven. It would be ridiculous. Okay, you're the best. I really appreciate you jumping on the pod. I, I knew I was going to get that in at some point. I didn't know when I was going to do it, but you set me up perfectly, and I appreciate it. Do you got anything going uh, this week on ESPN.com that people can check out? Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be at the at the PGA all week. I'll be writing columns from it and stuff. So I'm headed up there uh, soon. Uh, I'm just wrapping up a little vacation in Montana and uh, have some NFL stuff coming up. But uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty excited to just wrap up with one more major of the year. Missed uh, missed Troon, but uh, just for family stuff. But I'm gonna be at PGA, so excited to get back in it. Awesome, well, I appreciate it. And I'll throw your Twitter handle because it is kind of complicated on uh, on the the link when I put out the tweets, so people can follow you there, and you'll send out all your uh, stuff from the PGA. Should be a fun week, and then no more majors. All we got is Olympics, Ryder Cup, and then a long winter. I appreciate the time. You bet, man. Take care. And that'll do it. That's the clubhouse for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, subscribing, commenting, all that good stuff. If you don't do that already, do us a favor and review it. It helps out a lot in rankings and all that good stuff. And a reminder. SoundCloud podcast is up now as well. So just search for the clubhouse there. We'll be back next week. Again, thanks to KVV and thanks for everybody for listening and joining us this week.